It's the toughest, most important job in the world. Four kids. If you want to know what it's like to have a fourth, just imagine you're drowning. And then someone hands you a baby. This is The Mom Show. It's where moms come to learn and share. Our host is Lindsay Ertz on KSL News Radio 102.7 FM and 1160 AM. Welcome on into The Mom Show today. Thank you for joining us. Happy Sunday. Hope you're having a fantastic day. I hope your family is happy and healthy. Um, here's the latest edition of what Lindsay's been struggling with this week. That's how I pick topics for the mom show is just the things that are stressing me out that are overwhelming me that, um, I need some help with that becomes a topic on the mom show. So in today's edition of what Lindsay's worried about, um, I want to talk about how to give your kids more attention when you feel like you have less to give. If I could sum up how my home quarantine experience has been, it would be my kids need more attention and I have less to give. (laughs) And that is a recipe it feels like for disaster when it comes to just, you know, wanting to be the mom I want to be and, you know, what I feel like my kids need and all of that. So I'm going to get some help with this topic today. Uh, Joining me now, Elisa Van Langeveld. She actually teaches with the Family Consumer Studies uh, Department at the University of Utah. Elisa Thank you for joining me today. Thank you for inviting me. It's good to be with you. Okay, so first of all, uh, can you tell me that I'm not doing this all wrong? Like, I'm okay? (laughs) You're okay. Okay. We're all okay, and we're all going to be okay, but it is absolutely stressful. A lot of us are feeling it. I can't imagine anyone who's not feeling it. Yeah. And it's reasonable to be feeling stressed out. These are unprecedented unusual, the weirdest of times. Yeah. And it's just been the biggest shift from, you know, having a nanny come in every day and then start to care for my kids in the afternoon while I go to work. But instead my husband and I are literally tag teaming and one goes downstairs. And so it never really feels like you're off the clock from either job, right? You're kind of just like 100% of the time, you're always like got one eye on one kid or the baby monitor up and, but yeah, you're trying to do your job and it's just, it's, it's really difficult. And at the same time, I feel like, you know, I have a five-year-old and then a 20-month-old. So between the two of them, everybody always needs something. And then the attention that I feel like my five-year-old deserves, it just doesn't leave me with much to give, right? And I'm not really a playing mom in general. In fact, the episode you and I, Alicia, last time we did together was what to do if you're not a playing mom and you told me it was okay to not be a playing mom. So I'm okay with that. But, um, talk to me about what you teach in, in terms of this topic of how to give your kids more attention when you have less to give. Great. So first of all, all the validation and support, you are completely right about being a working mom, especially a working mom from home, because there are these boundaries in the different roles that we do. And I, and I have, a role that I play as mother. And when I am mother, I have these expectations. And there is a role that I play as a a woman, an adult woman with my own needs and desires. And, and those, there's a boundary around that role as well. And then there's a boundary around the role that I play as an employee at my job as a professional woman and the boundaries around those roles. And right now in these pandemic times, all of those roles are being crammed into one house and one experience and they're running into each other and they're clashing with each other. And it is hard But it's a very, very common experience for working moms to feel that guilt, that really you're not winning no matter what role you're playing at a time. If I'm being mom, 
I'm feeling guilty that I'm not doing my job well enough or giving that the attention it needs. If I'm at my job, I'm feeling guilty that I'm not giving my child the attention that they need and I'm not doing that job very well. So the first thing with regard to those boundaries is to kind of let yourself off the hook that we have all of these roles and they are supposed to all come together in this, you know, kind of basket of who we are as a whole person. We are not 100% only one role. We are many, many of those roles. So it is not reasonable to think that we would be giving 100% of all of our time and all of our attention to any one of those roles. It's just not reasonable. Yeah, that's so a... First, just kind of- Well, I was just going to say that's a really good point because before the pandemic, when I was leaving the house to go to work, I could really separate those roles. I would physically leave the house. And when I left the house, I wasn't mom in that moment. I was employee at KSL News Radio, right? But where I just go downstairs to the basement, those roles never really separate. Exactly. And even for moms who are working at home, like I largely work from home. And even then, I was also having a nanny come in and watch my kids. So even if I am going into a separate place in my house, I am putting on now my professional woman hat and I am taking off the mom hat for just a few minutes or just a few hours. But I get to have those um, delineations between what I'm doing. And those have just been washed out when we're spending so much time at home, we're working from home and our kids' needs are still there. And in a lot of ways, those needs are even ramped up because it's an uncertain time for our children as well. And they're feeling that it is hard to feel this clash of all these roles. So the first step is just that validation, that empathy. Yes, you're right. You're you're not making it up. You are feeling it. It is real. So then one thing that I teach is talking about how you have more attention to give to your kids is not more attention in quantity of time or attention, but in quality of that time and that attention. I love that. I love that because that's how it feels. I don't have more time to give, but... Yeah, I know we've talked about your 10 Minutes Together program where you are literally just giving them 10 minutes of uninterrupted time. And then, you know, they don't they don't need much more than that, at least in my age, the age well, of my kids. Um, so that idea of need, we're, we're talking, I mean, young kids, especially your kids, five, um, 20 months old, they have a lot of needs. And a lot of those needs are physical. So those needs stay with us 24 hours a day. We need to keep them safe, fed, make sure they go to sleep. But their emotional needs are not 100% of the day. So we can spend something as short as 10 minutes together with really high-quality, focused, one-on-one, undistracted time with them and fill up those emotional needs. And when we do that in a consistent way, we can then close that episode, that, that connected time together, and move to something else, which might be work, which might be getting ready for dinner, which might be time with another child or time with your spouse or time alone. But it doesn't need to be 100% of attention on your child 100% of the time. It's actually not great for the kids for us to do that. They benefit from having alone time, unstructured time, sibling time, independent time where they're in charge of doing their own things. That is the best part of what we can do for our kids. And then one piece is this really connected, high-quality attention time from parents. And that that matters, too. It matters more than anything else, I would say. It doesn't have to be 100% of the time. I love that. I love that message. Elisa Van Langeveld, she teaches at the Family Consumer Studies uh, Department at the University of Utah. Lisa, let's take a break. When we come back, we'll talk, we'll dive a little bit more into how you do this, how you give this uninterrupted time, because even that feels like a struggle at times. We'll take a break. More on The Mom Show when we come back. Back inside The Mom Show. Dads are welcome, but moms come here to be heard. We're with Lindsay Ertz on KSL News Radio. 
Welcome back into the Mom Show. Thank you for joining us. Talking today with Elisa Van Langeveld. She teaches at the Family Consumer Studies Department at the University of Utah, and she teaches a program called 10 Minutes Together. She has an Instagram account called 10 Minutes Together. And if you're wondering what the concept is, it's literally what it sounds like. 10 minutes uninterrupted connection time with your kid, each kid one-on-one. And I love this concept, Elisa, because right now this is how I'm feeling. Just my kid needs more from me. We're home together more and I have less to give. Just our routines are out of whack and you're home more and, you know, they're not going to school and just... This is all just kind of my circumstances that feels like it's all kind of compounding in one. So where my kid's feeling like she needs more from me and there's not anyone else, like no grandparents coming in, no nannies coming in, no friends to play with right now. I'm like her playmate and her mom and her safety keeper, right? It just kind of feels like all those things are melding into one. So with this program that you teach, you know, sometimes even for 10 minutes that can feel daunting, right? So talk to me about what you do in those 10 minutes and then what you should do when it's not those 10 minutes together. So we talked just a second ago about these boundaries around our roles as working women, as mothers, as individual humans, and how these boundaries can become really um, kind of permeable and ambiguous in these pandemic times. And so what I want to really talk about is this idea of drawing some boundaries around what we're doing for a specific period of time. So 10 minutes together is exactly how you described it. It is drawing boundaries around this 10-minute segment of focused one-on-one connection time. And um, on my Instagram account and in the programs that I teach, I talk about really concrete steps about setting the environment, removing distractions, um, connecting, verbally saying, this is our time, I'm here with you, and then fully engaging, full play, full excitement, high energy. So that we draw the, you know, a boundary around those 10 minute times and those fill our kids' buckets and they fill our buckets too. Research on parents, mothers in particular, shows that when parents are feeling stressed and even women who suffer from depression, when they're in the middle of spending engaged time with their children, they feel happier. So even a mother who is feeling overwhelmed, out of control, stressed, do 10 minutes together. And for 10 minutes, you're going to feel better. And one thing, sorry, I don't mean to interrupt you, but one thing I love about your program is you talk about how you're not, you know, I'm not a playing mom, right? So even 10 minutes of getting down and playing Barbie sounds like torture to me. And I'm sorry if that makes me sound like a terrible mother, but I really have a hard time playing. But when you described this program to me, you talked about finding activities that you can both find common ground in, right? And so my daughter and I both love sushi, so we go and get sushi together, right? So it's just kind of that, like if you're thinking, oh, that, that really does sound daunting to even do 10 minutes, you can find those common ground activities that you both, you know, won't feel like you're suffering through. Absolutely. It should be beneficial for both parents and the child. It doesn't have to just be self-sacrificing. Barbies is the thing for me too. I just animating Barbies and talking with their dialogue. Oh, I, not my favorite. Right. Everyone's like, these women are terrible mothers. Do you know what I do? A countless list of other things with my kids. We play games, we wrestle, we jump on the tramp together. We do puzzles. Um, I play other toys with them. So there's, there's so many things you can do with your kids. If there is one, some, something that you hate, skip it, pick something else. So we, so we talked about the boundary around this 10 minute time together. Now also we can put boundaries around the other times of the day that are not 10 minute time. So your work time, 
um, independent time for kids, unstructured time for kids. And we draw those boundaries around those times by being really clear with our kids, by saying, I'm working right now, I'm not available, but when I am available, you'll have my full attention. So the concept in these boundaries is less overlap between them and more distinction between them. So right now I'm working, but later I'll be together. Or right now we're together and I'm not doing anything else. Or right now I need to make dinner and I'm putting boundaries around that time. Um, Especially about unstructured time. I wanna talk about that for just a minute. Kids really benefit with unstructured time. So if you're feeling like your kids are with you all the time, but you still have to work, you still have to help with school, you still have so many other things to do, your child benefits by having time where nobody's entertaining them, they're not in school and it's not your job. Help them push through the inevitable boredom that they're going to complain about in those situations. It is in their best interest developmentally to learn how to manage boredom. Now there are two different types of boredom that we see with kids. One is called apathetic boredom. That's the one that we wanna help push kids through. Apathetic means low energy. They're not really trying to solve it. They're just complaining. Let them sit in that place. Um, Let them figure out what to do and they benefit from that. There's another style of boredom that is referred to as agitated boredom, which is actually high emotionality. And kids are maybe trying to figure out what to do, but they can't find anything. That is one that it is beneficial to kind of connect with and to intervene. Um, That boredom might be a bid for connection. Like, I, I don't know how to handle my emotions or my frustration or disappointment or anxiety. So in those high agitated states, yes, connect with your kids. And in that situation, very, very short connection times matter. Like, 30 seconds, 60 seconds, 90 seconds, a minute to just stop, look at your child and validate what they're feeling, connect to them. Um, There's a concept that's in a lot of the attachment literature that I love that's called contact comfort. And it's this idea that we non-verbally can touch our child and just calm them down and comfort them. We do this a ton with babies, but even as your child gets older, we can do that through contact comfort, just kind of a hand on their back, Um, you know, a hand on their face, a side squeeze, but some type of contact comfort that you can do in 30 seconds. It doesn't have to be a long period of time. And all of those moments of focused connection matters. The key is focused, not distracted, focused, even if it's as short as 60 seconds, it's still focused on the child. Yeah. And I love what you teach about small moments of connection and dive into that in our last couple of minutes, just because, um, you know, sometimes I can get rid of some of this guilt if I'm consciously looking for these small moments to connect throughout the day. And I notice it in my kids too, that they're so much more well-behaved when I do this, (laughs) like they, or I should say they play better on their own when I do this. And I think it's because they're feeling connected, right? They're not feeling ignored. They're not feeling, um, brushed aside. And so it's something I need to be better at, but how do you look for those small moments throughout the day? What are we looking for? So a real key for these small moments of connection are transition times. So when you're transitioning from one activity to another, for example, when they wake up in the morning, whatever you're doing when your child wakes up in the morning, when you first see them, take 60 seconds to give them your full attention. Good morning. I'm so glad to see you. How did you sleep? Let's cuddle. Let's have some contact comfort. Um, There's this principle in family communication that talks about nonverbal and verbal communication. And if the nonverbal and the verbal communication do not match, the nonverbal wins every single time. So if you're busy already at work when your child wakes up and they kind of wander into the room and you don't even turn around, or what you say is kind of a casual without making eye contact, good morning, make your own breakfast, 
That message is more powerful than just the quick, nonverbal turn around, look at them, hug them, be excited that you get to see them for the day, even in, th- in 60 seconds. And I think that's what you're referring to when you say your kids are doing better. When you have these small moments of connection, they complain less, they um, demand less if we can take these moments. Um, other examples might be when they log on or log off from their school, from their Zooms, right before they leave for school. Take 60 seconds to give them a hug, wish them well for the day. Right when they come home from school, 60 seconds. I'm so glad to see you. I've been missing you today. How are you doing today? But think about these transitions. Meal times is a transition, a transition from one task to another. Um, that could be schoolwork, that could be playing, that you just played for 60 seconds, or you watched a show for 30 minutes and now we're transitioning, but taking quick, short seconds to non-verbally and verbally connect in those transitions. Those add up and they matter. Yeah, really good advice. Elisa Van Langeveld teaches at the Family Consumer Studies Department at the University of Utah. We'll take a break. You mentioned school, Elisa. I want to um, dive into that. I'm starting a kindergartner in remote learning and I have no idea how this is going to go. So <laughs> we'll dive into some of that when we come back on The Mom Show. It's the toughest, most important job in the world. Four kids. Do you want to know what it's like to have a fourth? Just imagine you're drowning. And then someone hands you a baby. This is The Mom Show. It's where moms come to learn and share. Our host is Lindsay Ertz on KSL News Radio 102.7 FM and 1160 AM. Welcome back into The Mom Show. Thank you for joining us. I am Lindsay Ertz. Uh, joining me today, my guest, Elisa Van Langeveld. She teaches at the Family Consumer Studies Department at the University of Utah. And uh, we just wrapped up talking about how to give more to your children when you have less to give. That's exactly how I'm feeling during this pandemic. So I'd invite you to podcast wherever you podcast. Just search for the KSL Mom Show and you can go back and listen to this segment or those segments rather. Transitioning to uh, school, I have a kindergartner who will be starting distance learning uh, coming up here in the 1st of September, and uh, I'm overwhelmed. You know, we had a uh, back-to-school night the other night, and the teacher was kind of running through the schedule for the day, and I just thought to myself, this is going to be my full-time job. Like, I'm going to be doing school in the morning and my job in the afternoon. That's pretty much what my day is going to consist of because a five-year-old can't really get online and offline by herself. And she doesn't read or write yet, so she's going to need help (laughs) with those things. She can't read the instructions on the screen, right? And so, and then just by default of the way my husband's and my schedules are set up, you know, he's going to be working and I'm going to be with the kids. And so this school is going to fall to me and it's fine. We'll make it work, but I'm a little bit overwhelmed just by how it's going to feel like a full-time job. So Elisa, maybe you can assuage some of my fears because the other part of me is trying to keep the perspective. And again, this is my circumstance, but I have a kindergartner. And so like in the grand school, grand scheme of 13 years of school, are we going to be okay if kindergarten isn't like totally as awesome as it should have been? Or there's also the part of me that's like, well, this is her introduction into school. Like this is her like first year and she's going for the first time and it's all messed up. But you've hit it exactly right. It is going to be okay. 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 I think I should take the former. All of us. Yeah. The former view rather than the latter. Yeah. And that is my number one and most important tip about supporting your children in their schooling right now 
is to take the macro view, which is the, the large picture view. Take the big picture view. It is going to be okay for all of the kids. Now, um, it is hard. It's absolutely hard. And it, it's ha- there are unique complications for younger children, which you just laid out. It's hard to be online. They're not able to read and write and follow directions independently. The requirement for parents is overwhelming in some of those situations. And if you're sending your kids to school, managing that and the stress of what that might look like. And I know in my district, they're doing a hybrid option. So kids are at school some days, they're home some days. Managing all of those pieces is very, very difficult, very stressful. Kids are feeling it and moms are feeling it as well. So that tip, take the macro view. And here is that view. It's going to be okay. It's going to be okay for all of us. Even if our children don't learn anything for a whole academic year, they will be okay. Yeah. Even if our kids are behind academically next year, they will be okay. It's going to be okay for all of us. It's really um, good so to I- take that view because I know there are so many different parents in so many different situations and it's hard to feel like it's going to be okay if you have a child who was maybe you know, developmentally delayed, and then they're already going to be missing another year of school, you maybe don't feel like it's going to be okay. <laughs> and that makes complete sense. So part of that macro view is also understanding a general idea of normal child development. So the range of child development. I don't expect all parents to really know that very quickly and to say like, oh, it is actually really weird that my child's not reading at a better level or should my child know all of their times tables right now? Most parents aren't really familiar with that. And so the next piece of that is know what your role is as the parent, which is to caretake and nurture and protect your child and honor that role. Also know the role of your parent, of your child's teacher. Your child's teacher will know what is the normal range for a child to be reading, to be doing math. And so connect with your child's teacher. Is my child outside of that normal range? I'm not saying are they above that range or are they the middle of the range? Look at the entire range. Are they in that range? If the answer is yes, that's okay. We're going to be okay. Maybe they'll fluctuate somewhere within that range and that's okay. Now, if they are outside of that range, that's also okay, but there may be some additional interventions that need to happen and the school will help support that. So that advice then in the macro level view is my kid still has a teacher. My, my kid is still connected to an education system that will help me. And I can relax. I am not the full-time teacher for my child. Someone else is doing that job for me. Yeah, I love that you point that out, that your job as the parent is still to caretake, to nurture, and to love, right? That is the job of the parent. I think we're getting sucked into this world just by nature of this, you know, what's happening for all of us is that we're also responsible for them to be reading and writing. And if they don't know their times tables by two years old, then they're behind. And if they're not the star athlete, then that's your fault too. Like that's a really good perspective to keep. You know, and in child development, we've been talking for years how expectations for children are ramping up, that we're expecting younger and younger children to do things that used to be expected for older and older children. And maybe this pandemic is a chance for us to recalibrate what is actually developmentally appropriate for children at a specific age. We don't really expect that all children are going to come to kindergarten knowing how to read or even leave kindergarten knowing how to read. And that's okay. That is the normal range of child development. Maybe this pandemic is going to let us accept that range in a different way. But I do want to shout out to some to the homeschool moms that are out there because if you are fully homeschooling your child and you're not connected to um, an education district, you are then your child's teacher as well. 
But one thing that I know about homeschool moms, and I've been a homeschool mom before myself, is that those parents do tend to know what are those normal ranges of development, and they have the resources and access those resources. If you find yourself as a homeschool mom and you don't know what those ranges are, search for it. You can solve that. You can answer those questions. You can get that information. You can look online. You can connect to other moms. So you're capable of finding out what that range is, and that is the message. Take the macro-level view. We're all going to be okay. We are capable of doing this. Even though it's hard, even though it's stressful, we're going to be okay. That is amazing. I love that message so much. Okay, so moving on to kind of, we're talking with Elisa Van Langeveld. She teaches at the Family Consumer Studies Department at the University of Utah. She's helping us <laughs> figure out how to remote learn with all of our kids because even the hybrid kids, um, hybrid schools will have some sort of remote learning, right? So this will fall to parents a little bit. Um, talk to me, Elisa, your next tip is about storage solutions. We actually bought my five-year-old a desk and got her some binders. We're trying to kind of make school a big deal, even though she's not actually going to school. So, um, what are, what's your advice for storage solutions? So the, the advice for storage is to pick a system that you're going to use. As simple as possible, but one that you're going to use because the, cu- the clutter and the chaos that come from school are not going to be solved by pretty or elaborate or very specific storage systems. They're going to be solved by the system that you're going to use. So determine what that system is going to be by asking yourself a couple of questions. What does my child need in order to do their schooling, whether that's getting everything ready to go out the door or whether that's to do their school here at home? What does my child need? That might include a mask that's hung up right by their backpack so they've got it ready to go before they hand out the door. It might be, can they find their device? Can they log into their device on their own? Do they have headphones next to that device? So what is it my child needs? Can And second question, can they access that without me? What storage system will allow my child to get their mask without asking me where the mask is? Will allow my child to get their headphones without asking me where the headphones are? So whatever that storage system looks like, what does my kid need? Can they get it without asking me for that? And go through the steps of the day. Does my kid know where to get their shoes without asking me? Does my kid know how to brush their teeth without asking me where the toothbrush is or where the toothpaste is? But all those steps of getting ready to launch into school, can my child do that without asking me? That's the storage system that you need to prepare. It's going to look different for every person, but think about storage. So in child development, we talk about anticipatory socialization, that if kids can anticipate what's expected of them, they're much more likely to be able to do it. So set up the environment so they can do it for themselves. That's really important too. And as you were talking about that, I was thinking about how um, last night I suggested to my daughter that we do a dry run for the first day of school because her school literally starts at 8.30. And I don't think we're up by 8.30 right now. At least we haven't been, you know, we're up, but we're not like moving around and ready to go out the door at 8.30. So I'm a little bit nervous just about the transition to the daily routine. And so I was thinking about kind of doing a, a mock school day maybe as a setup. What's your thoughts That's on that? <laughs> yeah, it's a great idea because you've prepared, you've helped your child anticipate what is expected of them so they're ready to do it. But I would also say if your kid's already in school and you don't have the chance to prepare beforehand, you can make adjustments at any time. If, if any piece of that system is not working, you can fix it or change it or adjust it at any time. And that's the whole key. It has to be a system that actually works for you. If it's not working for you, keep adjusting it and keep it as simple as possible. Such great advice, Lisa Van Lingeveld. Uh, how can people find you if they want more advice on your programs? And you also teach a system called 10 Minutes Together about connecting with your kids. How can people find you? The best way to find me is on Instagram. 
I have um, an account there. It's called 10 Minutes Together, 10 with the number 1010. And I'm actually getting ready to launch a free challenge to walk through these connection times, how to do 10 minutes together and get the most out of that time. So if people log into my Instagram account, they can sign up for the challenge that's coming up in just a couple weeks. I love it. Okay, we're talking with Elisa about uh, school and getting ready to go back to school if you're not yet, or at least maybe amending your systems if you're already there. Uh, We'll talk more about that when we come back on The Mom Show. You've joined The Mom Show. Being a mom can be tough sometimes. We try to make it easier. Here's Lindsay Ertz on KSL News Radio. Welcome back into the Mom Show. Thank you for joining us. I am joined today by Elisa Van Langeveld. She teaches at the Family Consumer Studies Department at the University of Utah. She has some amazing help for us on uh, back to school situations. Now, a lot of people are already back in school, so those routines may have already started. I have a daughter who is doing all remote learning in kindergarten and she starts uh, the 8th of September. So I'm still kind of like gearing up (laughs) for this world, but we had a back to school night and I just got a little swallowed by how much work it's going to require of me to help my five-year-old get online every day and do her uh, schoolwork every day because five-year-olds don't read on their own yet or write on their own yet. And shout out to the district and the teacher who have ha, are making it incredibly easy. They're literally flying the plane as they're building it. So this is not to say that anyone's doing anything wrong. It's just to say that by function of the circumstances, I'm overwhelmed. So, uh, Elisa, we're talking about sort of how to get how to get prepped for school if you're not already. Um, we talked a little bit about taking this macro view that it's all going to be okay. <laughs> Right. When it comes to the grand scheme of how many years they're in school and, you know, their development and all of that. And then also you talked a little bit about some systems for kids to get out the door quickly, having a mask with them, you know, just like what we can do as parents to make it easier so they can get up out the door and not have to rely on us for all of that. Right. Uh, your next tip is talking about um, distractions when it comes to remote learning. Right. Yes. From all all learning. So the point here is to really think about how can we prepare our our kids so that they are best able to be independent in these situations so we don't have to, like with the storage systems, we don't have to remind them, go get your shoes. I have to find your shoes or any other piece. But now with the distraction, as a parent, spend a few minutes thinking about where is my kid getting distracted in the day, either at home learning or even at school learning when it comes to maybe wearing a mask or being reminded to social distance How can I talk to my kid or prepare my kid in such a way that those things don't become distractions from learning? So especially when we talk about learning from home, think about what are those distractions? And we are typically distracted through our sensory experiences. So go through those five senses and and do this thought process as the parent um, because what it's going to look like for you and your kids is going to be very different than other kids. But what are they looking at? specifically movement. Movement distracts us. So if if they're in a room where a bunch of people are walking around or kids are jumping on the couch in another area, that will distract your kid. So find a way to minimize those distractions. Um, So what do they see? What do they hear? Even if your kids are not on a live Zoom call or listening to something that they need headphones for, I encourage using noise-canceling headphones because it will eliminate the other sounds of the house, even if it's just the dishwasher or something else that can be distracting the dog barking in the backyard. Um, What are they smelling? What are they touching? Do they have a a comfortable seat to sit in? Or are they rocking back and forth because the seat um, doesn't fit them well or they can't touch the ground? They have to lean over and hunch over because of their chair. But think about all those pieces 
so that you can eliminate those distractions as best as possible. And when you eliminate distractions, you eliminate having to put them back on task. But it's not your job to fight that battle of putting them back on task over and over and over again. Mm, that's really important. I don't know what distractions are going to hit us yet, but we have purchased a desk and like getting a chair set up. And I love your point about, you know, just even the baby playing in the same room might distract them. Um, so yeah, just lots of stuff to consider there. Okay, Alisa, the other the other thing I'm a little bit concerned about, you know, as we we did that back to school night with our district, and they were kind of telling us the layout for for the day. It sounds like my kindergartner won't really do you know a full eight to two day on the computer but she will be um like off and on it and um you know I was kind of describing the schedule to her and she said um mom I'm just I'm really sad that like when you know I'm gonna be doing school you're gonna be out playing in the yard with Ollie like she was like sad that our routine was gonna change because right now we just you know wake up work out eat breakfast and then play right and she was kind of concerned that that break time or that play time was gonna go away and I tried to reassure her that you know no we're gonna have the same time to play it's just gonna switch in the day a little bit and you're gonna watch your shows later in the day and we're gonna play later in the day so I think that assuaged some of her fears, but talk to me about those breaks and those kind of routines that may be uh, being amended right now. So taking breaks from the school, especially school at home, is immensely important. So first there should be breaks built in to the day, just like kids have recess at school or have lunch at school. Build in some breaks that they can anticipate so they know what to expect. But they're all, it's also important, and the second type of break is the spontaneous break. And the key to the spontaneous break is take a break before you're boiling over, either as the parent or as the child. But as you feel frustration or low energy and apathetic boredom building, take a break before it spills over into tears or spills over into yelling. And a break can be as short as 60 or 90 seconds of comfort contact, touching, connecting, or it could be a 10 minute together segment where you say, we're going to go do 10 minutes together. We're going to go jump on the trampoline for 10 minutes, or we're going to go walk around the block for 10 minutes. Those short connections, when they get built in, not only do they honor your child, that this is hard for you. And I recognize you might need a spontaneous break here, but they also prepare the child that I can take care of this. I can ask for what I need when I need a break. My mom knows what I need. It's okay if I can't meet these expectations all the time, but it really supports your child to be able to Allow them, no, breaks are coming. It's okay. First style of breaks, build them in, but also those spontaneous breaks really do honor. This is hard and it's okay to take a break. Yeah, that's really important. I'm sensing, you know, we're going to need a lot of those as we sign online and it just takes more and more time. So Elisa Van Langeveld, she is um, a teacher at the Family Consumer Studies Program at the University of Utah. Alicia, how can people find you? How can people get more of your services because you have some amazing tips and amazing way to help parents through this time. Thank you. So I'm on Instagram at 10 minutes together, 10, the number 10, and I'm getting ready to launch a challenge in the next couple of weeks. And then that also um, leads into a course. So people can come online and take a course where I'll walk through all of this and we'll walk through specifically how to make that look um, practical in your own life as well. So I'd love to see anyone that wants to join us there as well. Yeah, I would totally invite you to go check out Alisa on um, Instagram at 10 Minutes Together. 
Um, Alisa, thank you so much for joining me today. Such invaluable tips today. And I invite, invite anyone else to go podcast wherever you podcast. Just search for the KSL Mom Show. We'll be back next week on the Mom Show.